July 14th. And now, as we turn our attention to the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins have already been judged on the cross. But are you ready for the judgment seat of Christ where your works will be judged? Ask yourself some questions. Do I judge myself or others? How easy it is to cover up my own failures by criticizing others. Am I grateful for God's goodness? It's not the badness of man, but the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Do I take God's many blessings for granted? Is my faith proved by works? Paul was not teaching salvation by works, but works that prove salvation. Big difference. Do I obey God's truth and persist in holy living? Do I have a hard heart or a tender heart? One more. Am I hiding behind religion? You know, the Jews boasted of their law, but it could not save them. External rituals do not guarantee internal changes, do they? God searches the heart. I wonder what He sees in my heart. How rarely we weigh our neighbor in the same balance in which we weigh ourselves. And now, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 14th, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. You may be saying, what terrible people you have been talking about. But you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you do these very same things. And we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them, and not judge you when you do them too? Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind He has been in giving you time to turn from your sin? But no, you won't listen. So you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness in refusing to turn from your sin. For there is going to come a day of judgment when God, the just judge of all the world, will judge all people according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who persist in doing what is good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and practice evil deeds. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on sinning, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. God will punish the Gentiles when they sin, even though they never had God's written law. And He will punish the Jews when they sin, for they do have the law. For it is not merely knowing the law that brings God's approval. Those who obey the law will be declared right in God's sight, even when Gentiles, who do not have God's written law, instinctively follow what the law says. They show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them. For their own consciences either accuse them or tell them they are doing what is right. The day will surely come when God, by Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. 
This is my message. If you are a Jew, you are relying on God's law for your special relationship with Him. You boast that all is well between yourself and God. Yes, you know what He wants. You know right from wrong because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a beacon light for people who are lost in darkness without God. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that in God's law you have complete knowledge and truth. Well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you do it? You condemn idolatry, but do you steal from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, The world blasphemes the name of God because of you. Here Jesus is praying in a certain place. When he finished, he's done praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And it says, just as John, John the Baptist taught his disciples, we don't have any record of that, and we don't know what exactly John the Baptist taught his, his disciples. This is the only allusion to it. But Jesus' disciples say, we really want to learn how to pray. Now, I, I thought about that, and, and most of us were never taught how to pray. Really, I mean, were we? I wasn't. And I'm willing to bet most of us were not ever really taught, well, this is really how you're supposed to pray. Most of us just close our eyes and start asking for stuff. Right? I mean, that's the extent of what prayer is to, to 90% of the Christian world. I close my eyes and start saying, okay, Lord, help me with this, help me with this. But to really sit down and to teach someone to pray, Interesting, disciples say, we want to know how to pray. And so Jesus begins to teach them. The disciples said, I, I want to know how to pray the right way. And Jesus says, well, here's how you do it. First thing he teaches them is you say, Father. Now, most of us, we read that and go, okay, Father. But do you understand what a shock that was? When Jesus said, you say, Father. See, not that the thought of calling God Father was a foreign concept, because it was common. The Jews would refer to God as Father, but it was always in the sense of the Father of all things, the Father who created the worlds. Father in the sense of all things came from you. But when Jesus uses Father here, it's different. Jesus uses, in the Aramaic, he uses the word Abba. The word Abba is, is best translated in English as Daddy. And you got to understand, the religious leaders flipped whenever Jesus would call the Father Daddy. That was so foreign to them. That was so far beyond them. So you got to understand, when Jesus says, when you address God, you call him Dad. It was the term that the, the kids would use to call their dads. Abba, Abba. Daddy, Daddy. Jesus, when you pray, call him Dad. Jesus introduces something that was unheard of in that day. He was introducing intimacy with God. We take that for granted. We talk about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We talk about a personal relationship with God, but that was new. And that's why it's like, behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called sons of God. 
He gave them the right to become children of God. Understand when Jesus died on the cross and that veil was torn, it was about this new relationship, this intimacy where we can call him dad. And you know what? There is a tremendous security when you're able to call him that. Let me think about this. There's a being right now in heaven. In Timothy, it says that he dwells in unapproachable light, meaning as a human being, if I were to see him, I, I can't even approach that type of light. You know, like a, a nuclear reaction, you can't even, you would just melt. The idea of this unapproachable light is too far beyond me. In fact, it talks, you know, we've talked about how in Isaiah, the angels cover themselves up with their, their wings. Remember Isaiah 6, they got six wings and with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet. And they're just crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're just screaming out, he's so set apart, I, I can't even look at him. He's so far beyond me. We talk about Revelation where there's pillars of fire around this throne. There's lightning and thunder coming from this throne. And there's a hundred million angels worshiping at this throne. And so then I approach that same throne and go, Dad, I tell you, when you can get that and really mean it, there's incredible security. I can call that being on that throne, I can call him Dad, I can cry out and say, Daddy, it's me, Francis. I tell you, that's an incredible, incredible thought. And I don't know if you've ever prayed and called him Dad. I don't know if you ever had the concept of Almighty God on His throne and you like a little child coming to Him and saying, Daddy, it's me. But it's powerful. I encourage you to do it this week. That's what Jesus says when you pray. Say, Dad. It was intimate. It was personal. My little girl coming up to me and just having a nice little talk with me. Psalm 10, verses 16 through 18. The Lord is King forever and ever. Let those who worship other gods be swept from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will listen to their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed, so people can no longer terrify them. Proverbs 19 Verses 8 and 9. To acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. A false witness will not go unpunished. And a liar will be destroyed.